Welcome to episode 55 of the Various and Sundry podcast. I am your host, Matt Harmon, joined from the vault on the beautiful campus of Grace College and Theological Seminary by my good friend, my colleague, and the man who doesn't know how to pronounce the Jets head coach name. I have no idea. John Scott Sloat. Doc, what's happening? Isn't it great to be back in studio? It's it's good. We even got – somebody bought us headphones. Yeah, yeah. I, and so now you're hearing every little random noise. In the room, yeah, that the microphone's <laughs> picking up and it's driving me – it's driving me a little insane, but I'm getting used to it. I think it's a, a net positive uh, in the long run. It is. It is. And while we're grateful that uh, we can use a, a tool like Zoom when we're uh, not on campus – uh, we much prefer the in-person experience. We think uh, – I, I think we do better in person and I think obviously the sound quality is better when we use the the, the fine equipment we have here. Absolutely. Yeah, the microphones are great. They beat my little snowball mic that yeah. I have uh, yeah. at the house. Well, if you would like to connect with us, you can find us on social media at Pod on Twitter. You can find our Facebook page uh, – it is Various and Sundry Podcast. You can give us a like and a follow. And you can email the show, variousandsundrypodcast at gmail.com. And perhaps not as a New Year's resolution, just as an effort to uh, be a better version of himself. John has committed to making sure that we're staying on top of that. We had a little technical glitch. We're going to blame it on Google. Yeah, we're blaming Google. That uh, we went through a stretch there where – uh, we were not receiving – well, they were coming into the inbox. We just weren't accessing them. We had some sort of – That's right. It's Google or Apple's fault, one of the two of them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's all part of the purge. So um, in any case, if you'd really like to do us uh, a solid, you could go on to the podcast app and leave us a five-star rating and a review. It's honestly been a while. It has been a while. That, that's understandable. We, yeah. we Our listener, listenership needs to grow a yeah. little bit. Yeah, and we we get indirect uh, feedback from from listeners as well. Yeah, I, I was at a I was uh, teaching at a church in Columbus, Ohio this weekend. I had no, it's a, it's a friend's church, so I had three or four people come up to me and talk to me about growing grass. <laughs> Boy, you guys are at a year now, man. Yeah. Oh my goodness, or you know any any number of things. Or somebody actually came up to me and goes, "Yeah, I I bent over laughing when I when." When Gabe broke into the studio and uh, interrupted you guys in the recording process, uh, so so it's fun to have like yeah. you know e- even though we knew most of these people ahead of time that um, yeah. that we have we have listeners out there. It's a lot of fun. Yes, yes. I had a, a a young junior high boy come up to me after church yesterday asking if we were going to talk about the Browns on the podcast today. So yeah, that's hysterical. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, it it, 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 it was it it warmed my heart and soul greatly. So um, why don't we go ahead and and jump right into the sports? It was a it was a pretty busy sports weekend with NFL action going on. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Packers, uh, I believe this was Saturday's game. Yep, the uh, first two are Saturday's games. Um, the Packers beat the Rams, which I don't think is a huge surprise. No, no, I think that was pretty expected. And did you have the Packers? Remind me. In that game, yes. Okay, okay. Did you have them going to the Super Bowl? Um, I I think I went with the, with the Saints. Okay. In part because, um, you know, wanting to go with a non-number one seed probably, at least one of them. And uh, 
But I would I would have expected the Packers to beat the Rams. I think either the Bucks or the Saints could have could potentially beat the Packers. But we'll we'll get to that in a second. Um, and then the Bills beat the Ravens, which I was not expecting. Yeah, that was an interesting game because um, it was it was a a tough, competitive, close game. Buffalo was up ten three, and uh, Ravens were driving late third quarter. And uh, looked like they were about to score to tie it up. Mm-hmm. And Lamar Jackson throws a pick six that's run back from like 101 yards. And so instead of it being a tie game 10-10, it flips to 17-3. Yeah, it was a 14-point swing. Yeah, and that, yeah. that was your ball game right there. And then Lamar Jackson actually left the game with some kind of injury. Um, I don't know if it was a concussion or what it was, but uh, he did not return after about two-thirds of the way through the fourth quarter. Mm. Um, and then, uh, and then the Chiefs uh, beat the Browns, but just just barely. Yeah, the Browns had their chances. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the more significant plays in that game, which um, this is one of those rules that maybe we can talk about someday. We like to talk about oh rules that, that need to be changed in sports. This is one of them. But uh, Browns late second quarter uh, driving. They throw a pass to one of their wide receivers, and he catches it at about the – I don't know, maybe the five or six, and he turns to run and dive and extend the ball over the goal line to score the touchdown. And the Kansas City defender, leading with his head, by the way, should have been targeting, wasn't called, <laughs> um, knocks the ball loose before it gets to the goal line. So the ball rolls forward like – I mean, it was like six inches short of the goal line, so it was really close, but clearly a good call that he hadn't scored. Ball rolls forward into the end zone, then out of bounds. And by rule, that is a turnover, and the other team gets the ball at the 20-yard line. That's crazy. Devastating, devastating turn um, of of events there for the Browns. But uh, they made a good game of it, Mm -hmm. and – Probably the big headline coming out of that game is the fact that Patrick Mahomes left that game. It was either late – was it late third quarter, early was, fourth quarter? Yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, with a concussion. And I don't know if you saw this part of the game, but um, like the hit didn't look like much when he went down. But when he got up, he looked clearly like he was woozy, like like like, like he had been staggered. And a couple of guys grab him and hold him up. And then when you go back and look at the replay of the of the of the tackle, there's a moment where it looks like his body stiffens up, which is one of those signs that someone mm. blacks out, right? Like when you get concussed and you black out, your body kind of stiffens and, and and gives some clear signs. So he didn't return. And now, of course, the big question is: even though they won, will they be back next week? Will they? Yeah. Will they, Will Mahomes be able will to Mahomes play next be week? Back next week, yeah. Or will they have to roll with Chad Henney, who who was serviceable, like he's serviceable in that moment? Yes, yes, he he did okay. Um, yeah. Now, I think in my dream scenario, the Bills go to the Super Bowl and the Bills lose, um, which would be <laughs> very billion of them, you know, to, to go to the Super Bowl and just lose. So. Is your animus towards our upstate New York folks rooted in you being from New York City? And is it a sort of I like the Jets so I don't want the Bills to do well kind of thing? Um, No, not necessarily. I think I want to see the – because this happened years ago, right? right, uh, Probably, gosh, 20, 30 years ago, the Bills went to three Super Bowls in a row and lost them all. 
uh, yeah, I was in college. My college years were dominated by the Bills making the Super Bowl and losing. Yes. Uh, and so I kind of like that narrative continuing. Um, right now, it's like, oh, the Bills. Yeah. You know, it's been a long time since they've been good. It's it's fun to see them succeed. That a team that's kind of been mediocre for a number of years is mm-hmm. is playing really, really well. And that's encouraging to me for a team that has been mediocre since, you know, the 60s. Um is now you know is is doing really well. Now, if they turn into a dynasty and they're this way for ten years, I will hate them. <laughs> don't 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 get me wrong. Yes, yes, but. indeed. Well, and then the the nightcap uh, last night was um, Buccaneers and Saints on the History Channel. Yes, yeah, yes. And uh, sadly, in my estimation, I guess uh, the Buccaneers came out on top. Um, I, I I only watched the second half of that game, and that game. It was tied at halftime, 13-13, and just watching, even as the third quarter was unfolding, it just had that feel of, yeah, the the Saints are going to lose this game. Hmm. It just had that feel. And um, probably the biggest headline that comes out of that is that all indications are that that was Drew Brees' last football game in the NFL. And the rumors are Drew Brees has a a contract waiting for him at NBC. Oh, he can. He's going to be in studio. He can name his with, price. Uh, with Mike Tirico, I think. Yeah, he can name his price. All the networks would want him mm-hmm. in terms of uh, him being in the broadcast booth. So um, – and there was a there was an interesting kind of a cool little story that I saw this morning that basically well after the game, uh, Breeze came out onto the field and was just sort of on the field with his kids and his wife. And I guess it's kind of a tradition that – he always just kind of tosses the football with his kids after yeah. a home game like that, which is a really cool tradition. And apparently Tom Brady came out after that and they talked for a little while and Tom Brady threw the ball with with Drew Brees' kids. And, you know, I, I, as much as I dislike Tom Brady for how good he is, like he does some of those things where you're like, OK, I guess it's a little harder to dislike him because, you know – like he, he's not he's not a stuck up arrogant jerk. Like he might be. I, I don't think he's a stuck up arrogant jerk. Now he's arrogant to be sure. Sure. But uh, but every great every great athlete at some level is a little arrogant. To to be that good, I think you have to really really believe in yourself. Yes. And uh, yeah. When I think of somebody and, stuck up, though, I think like that. It's hard for me to necessarily imagine someone like, and I might get crushed for this, but like, is Michael Jordan going to do something like that? Like, like honestly, like let's say it's sure. after the NBA Finals, and let's say Charles Barkley decides he's going to retire, and you know, and Chuck's out there with his kids. I'm obviously making up this scenario. Is Michael Jordan really going to go out there and be like, "Hey, you know, great career, Chuck. Hey, let me let me shoot free throws with your kids here and give them a sweet memory." Like, no, that's not no. MJ's not doing that. No, know? even today, when it when it's certainly more acceptable today yeah. uh, to be friends with your competitors. Yeah. Um, than it was in the in when Jordan was playing. Yeah, but yeah, absolutely. You, you're absolutely right. So that leaves us with uh, Packers Buccaneers in Green Bay for the NFC Championship. Who do you like in that game? Uh, well, I believe I picked the Buccaneers to go to the Super Bowl. Okay, so you're you're rolling with them. Uh, yeah, I feel like I got to. Okay, that would make them the first team in NFL history to play the Super Bowl in their home field. That'd be pretty exciting. Yeah, it'd be different. Yeah, uh, I'm going to go Packers on that. Okay, and then uh, Bills Chiefs Boy, in Kansas City. That's a hard one. Because Arrowhead isn't full. Like, like that's one of the advantages of Arrowhead is, yep. is the fans. And we don't know if Mahomes is going to be there. Correct. And 
Buffalo is a cold weather team. So it's not like this team's mm-hmm. coming in is going to be like, oh, gosh, we're not comfortable with cold weather. Like if anything, Buffalo might be colder <laughs> than Kansas City. Absolutely, yeah. And so, um, yeah. I, <sighs> Buffalo is basically Canada. Yeah. Um, so who do you like in that one? I probably like Buffalo. If Mahomes is out, certainly Buffalo. Yeah. Um, but Buffalo just is going to play good defense and yep. I, th- I think move the ball yep. uh, at, at a decent clip. Yep. yep. Um, so I, I think I like Buffalo in that game. Yeah, I'm going to go on record with Buffalo as well. So uh, other news in the NFL, coaching news. Big week for coaching um, You know, movement. Obviously, teams that, not, that didn't make the playoff, hiring coaches – and uh, your beloved Jets, they hired a new head coach. Yes. Sela? Sela? <laughs> I'm not know. quite sure how to pronounce it yet, but it's he seems like a really, uh, really good coach, a fiery guy. Um, everything I hear is that he's going to come in and not be like the, dis- the defensive specialist or the offensive specialist, but is, is really like the team CEO, basically. Okay. Um, and so I like that. We've We've – regularly gone with like, let's get this really defensive-minded guy and then get an offensive coordinator who's basically the offensive head coach. Sure. And we've done that for years. And that just really hasn't worked out for us. So I think they were looking for somebody that that's really a all-around specialist. Um, okay. Um, certainly coming up on the defensive side of the ball, but seems well-liked, had a great defense there in uh, San Francisco that he was responsible for. And uh, he's got a shaved head. It looks like an intimidating guy. Okay. All right. And then the um, the other big head coaching development was Sur- Urban Meyer. Surprisingly, they, they took Urban Meyer. Well, I'm not surprised that somebody wanted him. He's been he's – been, his name gets tossed around. Over the last few years, it's, it's been tossed around. And I think the question becomes why did he finally take one? And I, it seems like the big, uh, the big reason is the fact that a lot of things were in place. I mean – First of all, they they backed up a Brink's truck of money and dumped it on him. I don't remember what the exact number was, but okay, big money. Hmm. But uh, the Jaguars have the number one pick, and Trevor and, Lawrence. Yep. You know, you have a quarterback in Trevor Lawrence who, by all accounts, is sort of a generational talent, and so you would think that that's attractive to him. Mm-hmm. Um, Apparently, they're pretty far under the salary cap, so they've got room to sign people. And so it seems like it, it, it fell together in, 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 a, in a way that was, I think, made him think, this is as good a situation as I can probably hope for. Let's make it a, a, go, a go of it. And, and there, I've heard some criticism of Urban Meyer where it's like, well, he was at these big-time universities, Florida and Ohio State. He's really just a recruiter, doesn't know the X's and O's. And I want to hit pause on that. You got to look back to Utah, when, you know, when he was not getting these four and recruits. five stars. Yeah. Right. And he was able to develop and uh, obviously clearly knows the X's and O's of the game. The big question will be his his offense that he tended to run. He liked quarterbacks who ran and could throw as well. And Trevor Lawrence can do that, but that's not a necessarily a recipe for success in the NFL. In the NFL, you need a guy who is a great passer and who is mobile and can pick up key yards or can move around in the pocket. Mm-hmm. Um, someone like a Josh Allen is kind of the prototype of what you think a Trevor Lawrence could end up being, maybe even better in terms of 
arm talent, big, strong, but deceptively uh, able to run as well. Sure. And then, uh, although I'm not necessarily all in on the NBA at this point in terms of, I kind of keep an eye on it, but <laughs> there was a, a sort of groundbreaking, oh, you wanted, there was one other piece of NFL news you wanted. To well, there's a rumor <laughs> and some speculation that the Jets are going to make some trades and get to Sean Watson, uh, which would be pretty exciting. You know, we've got, I think like three or four first round picks in the next two years. Um, so, so we could do some things where we could get to Sean Watson from Houston because they uh, rumor is in Houston that he wants out and wants a, wants a trade. So that'd be very exciting for us to for us to pry him away. Yeah, I don't think that's a rumor. I think that's a confirmed fact. He is unhappy. He, he's come. Oh yes, 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 yes. He's, he's come. He's he's stopped short of demanding a trade because that's kind of mm-hmm. like the the red line that once you cross, it's, it you just can't come back off. But um, he clearly wants out of there. It, I've heard more likely, which this would make you sad, I'm sure, is that he can end up, end up in Miami. And they in a flip, trade for Tua. Flip Tua. Yeah, I've heard that too. So, yeah, that would make me sad. Yeah. yeah. Divisional rival in the Dolphins. Mm-hmm. But on to the NBA. Huge trade from this past week. Um, James Harden, uh, who is trying to bring the dad bod into the NBA. <laughs> Have you seen him? Yeah, he uh, he looks like he's been spending a lot of time at the club, you know? And the buffet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> eating, drinking. And uh, yeah, it looks uh, looks a little um, look looks has a Thick. little pop belly. Yeah, yeah. and so uh, it's it's been well known he wants out of Houston for a while now, at least mm-hmm. from the off season, and 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 so finally that's happened. Uh, Houston traded him to Brooklyn to the Nets, potentially yeah, setting Nets. up a uh, a sort of big three of Kevin Durant. And James Harden, who played together in Oklahoma City way early, back, early, yeah, in, in the late like like 2009, 2010, 2011 mm-hmm. range, and Kyrie Irving, if Kyrie Irving still wants to play basketball. Oh my goodness, what a weird, what a weird guy. Yeah, he's he's got some interesting, um, interesting things going on off the court. I think I think he's uh, he's a guy that has some interesting thoughts about life and that kind of thing, and. Uh, you, you, you wonder sometimes, like, do you want to play basketball anymore? Like, well, he was—he didn't show up to a game and was photographed at a birthday party, and then on a Zoom call with a politician. Um, just some very weird, yeah, some very yeah. weird things. But the big thing there is, of course, the fact that, um, my goodness, all of those three players tend to be pretty ball dominant, and so how do you mesh mm-hmm. those three ball dominant players in one uh, in one team? Yeah, and I think Kevin Durant can do a pretty good job of being of of not constantly having the ball. I don't know about James Harden can't. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, I mean, and Kevin Durant learned that in part by playing at um by playing in Golden State, right? I mean, he, yeah. you know, Steph Curry is is the ball dominant player on that team and KD did fine. But um I just don't know how that's going to work in terms of those players meshing, but we'll see. We will see, but uh, wouldn't surprise me if uh, any. I, I don't know if we have any Nets fans in our listening audience. I mean, we we have we have reached into the Northeast a bit in terms of our our scope. But yeah, it seems like we have a pretty consistent listener in the New York in in the state of New York. But okay. I don't I don't know where. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I think that 
any Nets fans listening might want to prepare themselves for a little bit of uh, discouragement. And speaking of discouragement, wow. see what I did there? Yeah, yeah, you made a nice transition. Yeah, I try, I try. Man. Um, a little known fact about me, I was a telecommunications major in college. And that's the only reason this works. That's right, that's <laughs> right. I am a trained professional in this kind of thing. Our main topic for today is dealing with discouragement and melancholy. Mm-hmm. And I, I think this is probably a good topic to hit even here in the kind of middle of January when we're recording this. Because I think oftentimes what happens is, you know, you get through the holidays and there's there's the, for a lot of people, so, some of the excitement and, and anticipation of a new year. And, you know, whether that's you think, especially coming off a year like 2020, which was, you know, by almost all accounts, very difficult for just was about very, everybody. Was very discouraging in its own ways. Right. Yeah. That you think, oh, okay, well, 2021 is here. It's going to be, uh, you know, a, a new day, and a new year, and this is all going to be so much better. And then here we are two weeks in and, um, you know, there's been plenty of current events that have been incredibly discouraging, let alone whatever might be going on in people's personal lives. You've got, sure. um, you know, you've also got the post holiday surge of COVID cases. And so uh, it seems like this would be a good topic for us to kind of think through and talk through a little bit. Um, I I wanted to start this though with a, a, a little bit of a, maybe a disclaimer and a, and a sort of distinction to be made. I, I think we, we do not intend on talking about what might be referred to as sort of clinical depression. Mm-hmm. We, we are nowhere near qualified to talk about that level of of, of, a, of a condition, that that kind of mental health situation, um, neither of us are qualified to to even come close to really talking about that kind of depression. So, what we have in view are more just the kind of everyday kind of common discouragement, disappointment. Um, the the Puritans used to refer to this as melancholy, just a sense of being down in the dumps. You know, there's different ways of talking about. Yeah, it. yeah, being an Eeyore, you yeah. know, from uh, from uh, goodness, Winnie the Pooh. You yeah. know, you know, just sort of this. Oh my goodness, everything's yeah. terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, maybe let's start with uh, how common of an experience is this for you? I think this varies by how people are wired. Sometimes, right? Yeah. I think some people are obviously wired in a way that makes them a little bit more prone mm-hmm. to this kind of discouragement, melancholy, and others might be wired so they are less prone to it. Where do you feel like you fit in on that spectrum? Yeah, I, I tend to be a fairly optimistic individual. Um, so I don't think I'm particularly prone to this. I, I, you know, there, there are certainly times I get discouraged and I get um, – I, I experience melancholy. Uh, but maybe maybe a few weeks a year – most of the time, I'm a pretty upbeat, positive individual. Um, I think if there's conflict in my life, whether 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 usually at work, um, I, I think I tend to I tend to get pretty um, discouraged or or even uh, depressed at times. Um, I think being stuck at home through COVID was also a difficult time. Yeah, at a time I probably felt some more uh, depression or or uh, discouragement. How about, how about yourself? Is it a Fairly regular. Yeah, I mean, I think um, I, I tend to be wired more t- as a pessimist, mm-hmm. and so I think 
that contributes to me being probably a little bit more prone to more frequent bouts of uh, discouragement or melancholy uh, and perhaps uh, more uh, a, a deeper experience of that perhaps than 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 some at least. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I think that this is something that uh, for me one of the one of the keys has been um, trying to become more self-aware of things that trigger it. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes you can't always point to something and go, "Why am I? Why am I feeling down today?" Like, why? You know, you can't always like point to something and go, "That's why." Sure. Sometimes it's just a sort of general pervasive sense of that that you can't pinpoint to a specific event or circumstance, but. Uh, I have noticed that there are some things that uh, maybe um, lead me to be more prone to those experiences. Mm-hmm. You know, setting aside obvious events, um, but uh, you know, simple things like um, if I don't get enough exposure to sunlight. Oh yeah, like and and there are, there are studies out there that have demonstrated that there's there's something physiological that happens there when you lack exposure to sunlight that that can have a a psychological and emotional uh, impact on you and I I've, I've just noticed even as I've gotten older that that's more and more true of me that just even the experience of being out in the sun makes a huge difference well good sometimes. thing you live in northern Indiana where we we have 350 days of sun a year, at right? Least, yeah. At least, yeah. Yeah, I live in a place where <laughs> – I mean th- there are there are other places that are perhaps even more challenging than, sure, than northern sure. Indiana. But, but we, we – in all seriousness, during winter, it is a struggle because yeah. we, we do go at times a week without having direct sunlight. You sure. Know? And even just the shortness of days sometimes, right? Yes. You know, especially if mm-hmm. you, you come into work before the sun is up. Mm-hmm. And then you're inside a good chunk of the day and then you stay until basically dark. You know, you can get this feeling of like, uh, when was the last time I saw the sun? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I know that's one – you know, that, that's a sort of simple um, trigger for me sometimes if, I, if I'm not getting that, that, that that can sort of sink into me. Uh, what about you? Any Any things that either – you experience or maybe things that you do or don't do mm-hmm. that lead to some of that kind yeah, of experience? Two, two things come to mind. Uh, if I'm not exercising regularly, I, I think I find myself um, being more prone to have a fit of the sullens, as it were. <laughs> yes. Um, or, or if I'm eating a ton of um, unhealthy food, sugars, uh, uh, f- fried food, you know, just, just a ton of that consistently – um, and I think when I get into a, 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 a discouraged mood, that's what I want to go to as well, is I, is I want the unhealthy food. Yeah. And I think it just sort of uh, pushes it on and on and on. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I also think that um, – and, and some of this ends up – so you know, if we kind of flip those on their heads, those become some simple um, strategies to try to combat that on the sort of just – natural physical level. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll, we'll get to the spiritual component in, in a minute here. But so we've already hit on, you know, trying to get outside and get exposed to daylight, exercising, 
um, you know, staying on top of, of of what you eat and trying to eat a little healthier can can be very beneficial as well. Um, I have a vitamin regimen that I do to try to combat some of that stuff as well. Yeah, I, I think for me, um, on, on the sort of social level, and this gets back to the experience of of COVID quarantines and and isolation, is simply the fact that um, when I when I'm not around friends, good friends, mm-hmm. or even uh, uh, you know just having that kind of social interaction with people, and you know there. It's great that you can have it mediated through technology, but there's just no replacement for in-person experience of interaction with human beings. And I'm an introvert. I'm not this like raging extrovert. It's got to be around people all the time. But even I have my limits in terms of like I need to be around people and not just people in general, but people that I am you know friends with or close with or um, – or fellow believers that that encourage me and, and, and that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I think of this weekend spending time with uh, Zach in Ohio. You know, uh, somebody that I get to talk shop with on a, on a similar level. He's going through an academic program that I went through in the past, and we're able to talk about that and break that down. And, and that's there's a sense of life and joy that comes out of that that isn't um, that isn't regularly present when he's not around. If that, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And so um, let's let's go ahead and move into the kind of the spiritual realm of this because I do think there's obviously a can be a pretty significant spiritual uh, component and dynamic to this. Obviously, um, I think that uh, I, I think the place I want to start with is that this is a normal component mm-hmm. of the Christian life in this fallen world. Absolutely. And I think sometimes depending on your sort of church background or, or, or maybe some of the resources that you end up exposing yourself to, you can get the misguided impression that the Christian life is supposed to be this nonstop experience of, of, of delight mm-hmm. and of, of, of happiness understood a certain way. Um, and that you're never going to experience any sort of discouragement and that if you do, then that's all on you and that there's something yeah. wrong with you. And so how would you how would you begin to address that kind of misunderstanding of the Christian life? Uh, I would point to uh, to different parts of the scripture, either either different psalms or or even lamentations where um, there is grief, there is sadness, there is mourning that is taking place. Um, and and uh, difficulties, uh, discouragements, um, fits of the sullens, whatever we want to call them. Sure, uh, they're they're a regular part of the people, of the Bible's stories. You know, right. um, and and we should experience similar things. We should experience these things. And then there are, I, I think, in, in those moments, um, really godly ways to respond. Right, taking yep. taking those uh, frustrations, taking those. Um, um, complaints uh, to God and being able to say, Lord, I'm really upset about this, um, but I still trust you and I, and I love you. And, and then I think there's some uh, some pretty ungodly ways to deal with that, right? To yeah. to to sort of let that bury you and let that uh, you know begin to heap on. Sure. Yeah, I think that, um, and and I I think we should probably address this piece of it and then move on. But um, 
I mean, obviously, sometimes the the sort of level of discouragement and melancholy is a result of your own sin. Sure. Yeah. I mean, so it, obviously, it, it is appropriate if you begin to, if you when you experience these kinds of 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 seasons to ask the Lord, Lord, is there sin in my life that you're trying to point me to that I'm not seeing, mm-hmm. and you know. Or even asking others if they're seeing anything in your life. So that, that's that's absolutely a fair and important question to to explore. And and I and I just add to that that in those moments of of uh, being discouraged or being melancholy, I, I, asking myself the question: Am I trying to tap something from work or from a friendship or from relationships that I'm supposed to get from you? Um, yeah. and, and asking yourself that real question of: uh, Am I uh, attempting to tap from work? This sense of meaning in life that that I'm that I'm meant to get from you, and and sometimes that can be that can be a helpful piece to help repentance and uh, and to uh, to uh, pull out of that even a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I think that um, that is often a um, it, it's one of those symptoms that manifests itself mm-hmm. that that leads you eventually to the diagnosis of I'm discouraged because of this situation at you know work or, or whatever. And what, well, why am I discouraged about that? Well, maybe it's because I'm expecting to get too much meaning and enjoyment and satisfaction mm-hmm. out of work and that I'm so dependent on my circumstances at work or in other contexts that um, when that doesn't go the way I want it, that it has too much of an effect on mm-hmm. me because ultimately I'm trying to to find satisfaction or joy or meaning from something that's not designed to give me that. Only God is designed to give me that. Absolutely, yeah. So um, I, I think that uh, along with that, there, there can be some bad theology that can underline that as well, <laughs> right? We can have expectations of of uh, of this world that are that are wrong for us to have as Christians. That um, as much as I think we've talked about this on the podcast at some point, the sort of the already not yet dynamic sure. of the Christian life when it comes to um, sometimes we look at God's promises and we don't uh, remember that uh, m- many of the the fullness of the blessings that God promises us aren't promised to us here in this life but await us in the new creation and the mm-hmm. new heavens and the new earth. Now we get tastes of them here. Obviously, but uh, sometimes I think we expect too much from our experience in this fallen world, and so sometimes that has to make we have to readjust our expectations of what what we should expect in this world. Absolutely, and, and I think uh, some of that blame falls on just a regular fallen human having a bad expectation. I think some of that blame falls at the health and health and wealth gospel. Sure, absolutely, as well, where they. they they want all the promises of of heaven of of the age to come right now, and and some of it does fall at their feet. Um, not all of it, but but some of it certainly. Sure. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, um, well, well, John, when when you find yourself experiencing these kinds of um, uh, you know discouragement or melancholy uh, fits of the sullen, <laughs> great expression. Um, what are some biblical texts that you tend to go to uh, to kind of uh, reorient yourself properly? 
Yeah. Uh, what's funny is the text I go to, I don't even have a reference for at the moment. Um, so m- maybe you can help me out. But uh, sort of a basic principle, uh, in all things, give thanks. Um, uh, and, I, and I just try to remind myself mm-hmm. of things that God, you know, the gifts that God has really given me uh, that I'm really thankful for. Um, and, and picking that up in those moments is, I, I, I find to be an excellent discipline sure. um, to, to help uh, curve uh, the fits of the sullens. There or, you go. Whatever. How about yourself? Um, for me, I, I regularly go back to uh, probably two main texts. Uh, the first is a uh, combination of Psalm 42 and 43. And this is, this is David um, writing these two psalms. Um, and um, actually, it's Sons of Korah. Sorry. Uh, and what's striking here is when you put Psalms forty-two and forty-three together, several times in these in these two Psalms, the psalmist asks, "Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me?" Hmm. Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. And that's kind of a refrain that works through Psalm 42 uh, in 43. And a a few things kind of come out of that that I I try to remind myself of. The first is that um, these these experiences are normal, normal part of the Christian life. Mm -hmm. Okay, good. And that the psalmist is talking to himself. And I've heard it put this way. I can't remember if this was Martin Lloyd-Jones who said it this way or not. I think it might be. But something along the lines of our problem is too often that we listen to ourselves rather than talk <laughs> to ourselves, meaning that we, we, we surrender to our emotions and our random thoughts rather than talking to ourselves, sure. preaching to ourselves truths from God's word. And that's kind of what the psalmist is doing here. He's directing his soul, hope in God. Why are you like this? Hope in God. Sure. Um, and so those are that's a passage I go back to pretty regularly. And then the other one is, um, you know, Philippians four, uh, six, uh, talking about uh, be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplications, let your requests be made known to God. Um, and the peace of God, which uh, transcends all human understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You know, just reminding myself of those realities of pouring out my soul to God. Um, and trusting that God's peace will um, guard my heart and mind from uh, the unhelpful thoughts, feelings, and emotions that are often at that point um, having too much sway in my life. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Doc, just as we're wrapping up, thinking about this, do you do you have any recommendations as far as uh, as far as resources for us that we, that we can maybe go read a little bit more or learn a little bit more about this? Yeah. So um, I'm gonna. I've got we've got several listed here. I'm going to highlight uh, one that is different from the rest. Sort of the which one of these is mm-hmm. not like the other moments here. Um, when I find myself experiencing these kinds of, of of seasons, in addition to the biblical texts that I mentioned, one of the places that I want to go consistently and, and do consistently go to is a sermon preached by Jonathan Edwards called The Excellency of Christ. Hmm. And it is a long sermon where he highlights these different attributes of Christ and how they come together that has a consistently encouraging effect on my soul. And so if you just Google uh, Jonathan Edwards, The Excellency of Christ, you can find that. We'll have a link in the in the show notes here as well. 
Now on to some books. Uh, a classic is Martin Lloyd-Jones' Spiritual Depression, Its Causes and Cures. Uh, classic there. And I wanted to highlight a few resources by a guy named David Murray, who's a pastor and professor in Michigan. Um, first one I'll highlight is a book he wrote called Christians Get Depressed Too, okay. which you know helps understand some of the normalcy of this experience. Then he wrote a book called Why Is My Teenager Feeling Like This? A Guide for Helping Teenagers Through Depression and Anxiety. And so maybe if you're not experiencing this, but you have kids who are going through this, that could be a helpful guide for you. And then he and his wife wrote a, a, a wrote book, a corresponding book. So David Murray wrote a book called Reset, Living a Grace-Paced Life in a Burnout Culture. That's more oriented towards men. And mm-hmm. um, obviously, I think one common cause of, of discouragement and mel- melancholy and even depression can be um, burnout, keeping too sure. high of a pace in terms of work and ministry and those sorts of things. Certainly related. And then his wife wrote a book called uh, Refresh, Embracing a Grace-Paced Life in a World of Endless Demands, more oriented towards women. So those are some resources that I think would be helpful for our listeners uh, if they want to pursue this a little bit further. We'll have the the links in the in the show notes. Absolutely. Um, we're pressed for time. Yep. Our athlete. Yeah. So we're on episode 55 and we actually have some – I feel like we have some good choices here. We have some great choices. Yeah. Yeah. So um, let's work through them quickly here. Uh, Junior Seau, Chargers linebacker for – I didn't realize he played almost 19 years. Wow. That's a long yeah. time in the NFL. And we'll, we'll maybe we'll circle back to him in a minute because he's more significant than just the fact that he played 19 years. Sure. Um, Dikembe Mutombo, who also played almost uh, 19 years here in the NBA. Always felt like he had an extra knuckle, didn't it? Yeah. And for that finger wag. He had, he had the voice mm-hmm. of Cookie Monster. <laughs> Great stuff on, on the internet about that. Uh, Terrell Suggs was a linebacker who apparently is still in the league. I didn't realize he was still really? in the league. That's, wow. And then um, Oral Hershiser, great yeah. pitcher, uh, primarily for the Dodgers. I think he was probably mm-hmm. best known. Pitched for almost uh, 17, 18 years there. Uh, on the Ohio State front, Nick Mangold. Nick Mangold, yeah. Who, that's a great name, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, was a center for Ohio State from 2002 to 2005, won a national championship, and then played his entire NFL career with your beloved Jets. And he was great. He was an anchor. He was uh, a great center. Him and yeah. – can you name the left tackle from some of those teams? No, not for the, not for the Jets. DeBrickashaw Ferguson. Okay. Yeah, there you go. Another great name. Another great name. Yeah. So um, one thing that makes Junior Seau more significant than his playing is the fact that sadly he took his own life. Mm-hmm. But um, he was convinced that he was suffering from um, – I forget what uh, – I forget the specific name for it, but basically the trauma from playing football causing head injuries that messed with his emotions and that sort of thing. Is it is it CTE? Maybe that's okay. it. Okay. And his his suicide um, was a catalyst in accelerating some of the research into this condition. And in fact, if I remember correctly, he um, intentionally killed himself in a way so as to preserve his brain so they could study it and see some of the effects on that. That's my understanding of it as well. And I think he left a a note to that effect. Yes. Like um, killed – we don't need to talk about the specific way he killed himself, but um, killed himself in a way that would preserve his brain. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, 
So great choices here. Too many. Who, yeah. who, who do you like? As wow, my goodness. Um, I loved Nick Mangold. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're not going to get an argument from me as an Ohio State guy picking Nick Mangold off that list. Um, I mean, I mean, I think we can all agree that arguably the most historically significant figure on this list is probably Junior Seau. Yes, because yes. of that. Yes, of, of what we just mentioned. But um, I, I'm fine with going with Nick Mangold there. Yes. Um, if I could just riff about Nick Mangold for a second. <laughs> Don't let me stop you. Um, he was a spokesperson for JetBlue, uh, the airlines. Okay. Um, and when, uh, when uh, oh goodness, uh, the Monday Night Football announcer started calling the Giants JetBlue, uh, Nick Mangold was like chiming in on Twitter like, nope, can't do that. <laughs> can't do that. I, You know, a great company, but nope, they're with the Jets, you know. Yeah. And, uh, and then he also uh, – when there was a lockout, so so the players weren't um, in the buildings, uh, he went and did an internship uh, at uh, at Trump Tower, and he he was Trump's personal <laughs> assistant. I did not know for that. a time. Yes, yes. Um, and one of the funny stories coming out of that was uh, he was he was in charge of bringing Donald Trump coffee. Oh my goodness! Can you imagine this? And the interns were messing with him there. So these like I don't know twenty twenty two year old guys were messing with Nick Mangold and saying. Hey, hold his coffee with your hand over the top like this, uh, and bring it to him like like almost like it's dangling from your fingers, right? And take it into Trump. That's that's the way he likes it, and he brought it in like that. And Trump just goes, "Why on earth did you do that? Why would I want your hand over my cup of coffee?" You know, and got got really upset with him. And then they all learned that it was it was a big prank by the interns in the in the next in the coffee break room. <laughs> Yes. Well, that that only confirms our choice. Yeah. Nick Mangold. Yeah. As. Nick Mangold. Okay. Uh, one thing we liked, John. Let's uh, go with you first. Yeah, Andrew and I had a great weekend in Columbus. Um, not a bad moment there. Uh, hanging out with our grandparents as well as um, good friend Zach, and uh, was able to spend time at a at a church uh, that I that I really enjoy out in Columbus as well. Yes, uh, great church there in uh, in Columbus, um, and so uh, glad you got to go there. Um, that's uh, an excellent, uh, excellent place. Several friends of the pod there, so grateful for them. Yeah, uh, mine is going to be just uh, my life group. Hmm. I have a, I have a, I've really been enjoying my time with our life group. And uh, a shout out to uh, my life group leader, a, a regular listener to the pod, mm -hmm. Jordan in Indiana here. So grateful for him and. Uh, uh, all the all the folks in our life group. It's uh, it's been fun to see this particular form of our life group came together like right before COVID hit, and so we've had to kind of persevere through uh, you know virtual meeting, and then now we're actually back in person, which is kind of nice uh, to see each other, be with one another, and so just been uh, reflecting on that as a as a kindness of God for that. All right. Are we ready to call a mission accomplished here? I, th I think it's time. Yeah. Yeah. We went a little bit longer today than uh, we have been going. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, lots to talk about in the NFL and the NBA world. Uh, had to talk about dealing with discouragement. Had to talk about um, our mutual love for Nick Mangold. Yeah. Lo love me some Nick Mangold. And uh, we're, again, grateful for our podcast listeners. And I think it's time for us to go ahead and say mission accomplished. And until next time, the Lord bless you.
wish you all real good. Later. Later.